0: Welcome to the Mile High Flight Show, where a Jets fan and a Broncos fan get together to talk about the NFL and other sports. I'm your host, Ryan Marinholtz, alongside Enrique Cisneros, and let's get into this. Tons of stuff to talk about. As always, we're going to run through some NFL news, uh, start breaking down all 32 teams, starting with the New York Jets and the Denver Broncos, obviously. Uh, Run through and uh, just update on the uh, NBA playoffs there. And then we get to talk about uh, UFC 274. And how are you doing today, Enrique?
1: I'm doing good, Ryan. I'm doing good. It's been a nice Mother's Day weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms, including my mom um, and your mom. And um, yeah, man, it's just been a good weekend all around. Got to see you last night. Rather ended on unfortunate terms, but we'll get to that later. Um, But it's always good to see you and watch the fights like always. And yeah, man, just ready, uh, ready to do the pod like always.
0: Of course, man, always a blast and happy Mother's Day and all that good stuff. And, yeah, we'll jump right into it here. Uh, So our first news story, Teron Matthew finally signing in free agency with the New Orleans Saints on a three-year $33 million deal. And, I mean, the Saints seemed like a possible destination this entire time. Uh, Obviously, he has the connections there, grew up in uh, New Orleans and uh, was an LSU Tiger, you know, Tiger legend, really um so I mean yeah great landing spot for him uh good value price for him as well and yeah, I mean yeah he's in good shape over there in New Orleans
1: uh yeah I love this deal I, I love this deal so much I mean it's seemed like pretty common sense you know that that because just like you brought up you know from Al- from LSU from Louisiana you know so it just makes sense all around uh, I I just can't believe it Six so long for him to get a deal done with anybody in general. It's like after the draft. And maybe, you know, part part of it was on him too, which if it was, and he was taking his time to find the right fit. But, um, you know, I, I thought he already had a visit with the Saints beforehand. And so I thought, you know, maybe at that time a deal would get done. But, and I'm not sure what happened. But yeah, I mean, it's, it fills a need for the Saints as well, especially after losing Marcus Williams to the Ravens. And I don't necessarily know that – I don't think they drafted a safety, did they? Maybe one in the later rounds. I don't think they dra- – they definitely didn't draft a safety in the first round.
0: Yeah, in the later rounds. They picked somebody else up, too, that I'm forgetting. Um, but, yeah, they picked up another free agent safety, so they'll have a payer back. But they lost both uh, Justin Reed and Marcus Williams, like you were saying.
1: Oh, right. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so it, it feels it feels a need. He's a good player. Uh, still got some good years left in him. And, and yeah, I mean the the jersey is gonna be dope. Jersey is gonna be super nice. Yeah, it is. I love that. I love that. That's gonna be a nice color combo, especially their um their color rush or whatever they call it. Um. Oh yeah, the white the, one.
0: Like, yeah, with the gold. Yeah, that's so yeah. clean.
1: Exactly, I love that one.
0: Yeah, I'm having trouble finding that other safety, but yeah, I mean, either way, great spot for him uh, there in New Orleans, and uh, New Orleans started to rebuild there. I mean, I wouldn't even call it a rebuild, just kind of, you know, fill in some spots.
1: I kind of feel like it's a rebuild. I kind of feel like it's a rebuild. No Sean Payton, you know, random as fuck, just left. Jameis, we don't know what we got in Jameis, no Drew Brees. Um, You know, you you have some proven guys like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, but... You know, Michael Thomas struggled with injuries and, you know, he's honestly, I don't know too many more like true diva wide receivers anymore. Like, because, you know, the Ocho Cincos and T.L.s of the day are kind of over with. Yeah. But Michael Thomas is a personality for sure. And, you know, the Saints have to deal with that as well. So it's just one of those things that I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of questions down in New Orleans right now. I feel like if I was a Saints fan, I'd be a little nervous. Not saying they're gonna lose or be bad. I think Jameis can be good, but I feel like the ceiling on this team maybe not as high as some people think it is.
0: Yeah, I know, and I would agree that I agree with that too. And I mean, you have a first year head coach in Dennis Allen. So, you know, there's always the struggles that come along with that. I think they still have a good chunk of that core, especially defensively when you talk about like Cam Jordan and um, again, forgetting names, number 56, the inside linebacker. He's always. Thank you. Demario Davis. Yeah. I mean, there's Marshawn Lattimore. Um, There's still a few of those big stars left on that. uh, Drew Brees core, like 2017, 18, 19, all that. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot of new faces and they're just trying to figure out the post Drew Brees, post Sean Payton era. Um, But I mean, Teron Matthews, certainly a a good start to that replacing uh, Marcus Williams there. And um, yeah. And then our next story here, uh, the NFL suspending Deandre Hopkins, six games for violating the league's PED policy. I mean, I think this pretty much hit, you know, everybody out of the blue because Deandre Hopkins is really uh, never had, at least to my uh, knowledge, you know, uh, if you want to call it behavioral things or whatever, which, I mean, to, because he's always been kind of one of those guys that's just like on top of his health and on top of all that. And that's kind of what their uh, statement that they came out and said uh, reflected was uh, at least publicly, they're saying like, they have no idea what could have caused it. And they're going through products he's used and they could have something that was against it. And um, yeah, I mean, you always wonder what exactly they tripped for the PED policy, especially now that uh like weed is not uh, as um, restricted or whatever, but um, right. yeah, I mean, just kind of came out of the blue for me with DeAndre Hopkins.
1: Yeah, this is a really infor- unfortunate headline for me because I, I, I Like, and I stand on this mountain very strongly. I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL still. Yeah. Um, And that argument gets a little lessened. Now, what I'm hoping for uh, is that, because in MMA, stuff like this happens, right? But what it usually is, and like, well, I can't say usually, because sometimes people just really do be using steroids, dog. Like, And in other times, the, like the, you know, the normal powder or the normal supplement that they use gets mixed in these giant vats and these giant vats have, you know, like they don't clean them out super good or whatever. And so sometimes it has small traces of like a steroid or something that goes against the league's policy. And that happens in the UFC and that has happened in the UFC a few times and they've traced it back to the plants and did all this. And, you know, some some fighters have gotten like vindicated and have been, you know, like had their results um nullified, and hmm. so you know maybe that's something that can happen with deAndre Hopkins um but if I'm being honest with you, do you know, I think this tarnishes his legacy in any way or like his um his reputation in the league? I think it does slightly, but I think DeAndre Hopkins is pretty well known to be a pretty good solid guy, I think he works hard um and I think ultimately like. I think I think his innocence will be proven in this, at least I'm I'm really hoping. Because um, I just yeah, I have just always took him as a real like holistic body, you know, real I just don't really see um and even more so like if it is some sort of like performance enhancing drug, I don't necessarily know if it it would be maybe something like to help an injury or something along right. those lines. You know, I don't necessarily see because, you know, like the just really splitting hairs between him and Devonte Adams and if he was just so clearly more dominant or if he was just coming back from injury super quick or didn't get hurt at all um then I'd be like maybe but just you know I don't I just don't I just don't think so
0: yeah no I, I agree and I think uh kind of to your point the PED policy kind of has such a wide range of things that fall under that. So, and they don't usually disclose what they were, uh, you know, tripped for. So you're just kind of left guessing of like, it could be any number of things, whether uh, it's like an actual performance enhancing like steroid or something for, you know, pain relief or whatever. I mean, or like you said, just a random trace of something in a completely different product that, uh, he thought was, uh, like everything that's supposed to be in that is uh, covered under the uh, the league's policy, but some trace of something got uh, into it in the production, you know? So it, it, you never know with this kind of stuff. Um, and I mean, another good point to bring up is realistically, these athletes are using all kinds of stuff. It's just up to the league of what they allow or don't allow, you know what I mean? Um, and right. so where you want to draw that line, it's like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's one thing if they're using like hardcore steroids and just absolutely beating the brakes on uh, off of everyone else because of it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting. You're, you just suck or it sucks to see uh, such a talent be gone in the league for uh, six games. You never want to see him miss games, especially if he's not injured. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. And then, I mean, as I was going to bring up later in the episode two, it affects the Broncos because, I think, honestly, the Cardinals is a game where with DeAndre Hopkins, you can say that's a toss up, in my opinion, um, and I could easily see us losing to the Cardinals. Um, But if DeAndre Hopkins isn't there, I think obviously the Broncos have a much better chance uh, of beating the Cardinals, too. And so that just depends on where they land in the schedule, which has not been released yet. So Um, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, it just sucks to see there. And then uh, our next story here, uh, Falcons signed defensive tackle Grady Jarrett to a three-year, up to $51 million extension. Um, yeah, I think we all knew this was going to happen eventually. Uh, he's been solid for them ever, this, ever since they drafted him. And, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, this is definitely one of, like, the few talented players the Falcons have left. So, you know, just like you said, everyone pretty much saw this coming – uh you know pretty pretty much no brainer, but yeah, it's still nice to see it happen. It's still nice to see somebody get a bag um, because ultimately, like that's that's what you gotta really hope for is that you know talent gets recognized and talent gets uh, rewarded you know accordingly. And yeah, Grady Jarrett's been super solid uh, clog, clogging up that middle for the Falcons defense since like you said he's been drafted. So I'm just wondering how the Falcons team in general is going to be structured i wonder i would imagine mario is probably going to get the start and then i don't think he really has any sort of competition for, unless um what's his name just shows out right but otherwise oh, yeah I think, yeah i think the falcon season is going to be it's going to be pretty bad so he's gonna he's gonna really cherish every cent of that 51 mil
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, same page there. I, I think Ritter is somebody who could be uh, something in maybe a year or two, but he's definitely got some developing to do. Um, like we kind of talked about a little bit before, Marriott is actually a good comp for him um, as a player. So, you know, it's kind of a nice situation for him to just sit there and hopefully the Falcons don't try to uh, push him out uh, to start too soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, glad to see somebody get it back. I think that there was – like some talk of like just outside fan talk or speculation that the Falcons might uh, look to move Grady Jarrett, be like if they were going to restart like an entire, um, you know, rebuild. But I think yeah. he's still young enough because he's only in, I can't remember the specific year, but I want to say he was drafted 17 or 18. So he's really only in his fourth or fifth year, obviously with him getting an extension uh, now. Uh, and like, so he's not too old, but I think he was right at that point where you could see them making a move like that, but, uh, you're glad to see him obviously just stick where he was drafted. He's obviously happy there. And yeah, he's going to be happy with that $51 million while the Falcons are probably not doing too, too hot <laughs> for at least this year. Uh, yeah. but, uh, yeah. And then, uh, our next two signings here from the chargers, I'll just run through both and we could talk about them. Um, So first one here, Chargers signing cornerback Bryce Callahan to a one-year deal. And then they signed Kyle Van Noy inside linebacker to a one-year deal. And yeah, I love both of these signings. Uh, Bryce Callahan, obviously coming over from the Broncos, uh, previously of the Bears, been with Vic Fangio, uh, his most of, I believe he was actually drafted by the Bears. So I think his entire career, he's been under Vic um, coming over to the Broncos. Um, And then the Chargers, obviously, with Brandon Staley, uh, run a very similar defense to um, Vic Fangio. So very good fit there. Uh, Chargers needed a dedicated slot corner, especially after losing uh, Chris Harris, another former Bronco. Um, And yeah, and then Kyle Van Noy, they really needed inside linebacker help. Uh, Kenneth, uh, not Kenneth Walker, Kenneth. Oh, my gosh. K nine, I can't remember their inside linebacker's name um, um, that they drafted a couple of years ago. It's Kenneth something, but anyways, he has not been uh, is it, wonderful.
1: Never mind. I don't. Want, I don't want to say that because I think it's so bad. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I thought I had his name too, but I don't want to say that because I don't want to sound stupid. So we're just gonna move on. We're just going yeah. Uh, yeah we will just move on. But yeah, I, I, <clears throat> excuse me. I definitely like the moves. I just really do, like, love the way this Chargers team is just setting up, dude. Like, Yeah. It just sounds, like, it really gives, if you're a Broncos fan, which you are, yeah, you really have to, like, think that you get Russell Wilson, and you're like, man, we're finally going to do it, but then the Chargers load up, the Raiders load up, like, what are you expecting out of the Raiders, you know, with... Yeah. Um, What's his name? Oh, what's his name? Josh McDaniels,
0: Bonte Adams,
1: Derek Carr, like, you know, they added Chandler Jones, and then the Chargers are super loaded. With these two, like, like you said, getting Bryce Callahan, dedicated slot corner, knows the Broncos a little bit. It's just, you just gotta love all these moves from the Chargers. I mean, you yeah. don't, for sure. I, I, yeah. I believe you, you probably respect it a little bit, but, yeah. That team looks so good, especially with Justin Herbert.
0: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And, like, the Chargers are weird for me because even though I'm a hardcore Broncos fan, they've always had just a weird little soft spot for me, probably just because they – no offense to the Chargers, but they just have not been, like, you know, overly competitive. Like, so it's kind of hard to hate them in the same way, you know what I mean? Like, especially when it comes to, like, a – Patrick Mahomes when they're, the chiefs are just dominating. Like we've, we've lost like 14 straight, like even with Phillip rivers, that just never really happened. But um, yeah, I've always had kind of a soft spot for him and um, I love Justin Herbert and yeah, to see this team come together. I love Brandon Staley too. Honestly, like low key Brandon Staley is if not my favorite, one of my favorite head coaches in the entire league. Um, Cause the dude just spits gold. Like every single time he talks, like, I don't think I've ever heard him say something I disagree with like football wise, you know what I mean? Um, Right. So yeah, it's been cool to see this team come together. And uh, like you said, I do think they have a really good chance of competing as does pretty much everybody in the AFC West now, you know, best division in football. And um, yeah, it's going to be scary, man. It really is. I'm excited for those matchups. The Chargers and Broncos have always had fun matchups and uh, you know, especially with, us having a real quarterback now, them really beefing up on their weaknesses. Like those are going to be some fun games to watch for sure. Um, and if the Chargers get their first Super Bowl, you know, I I can't honestly be too too mad at that.
1: Yeah, I feel you. I mean, I I, I definitely understand like having a soft spot for a division rival. No, my 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 little soft spot team is the Bills. You know, because they suck yeah. like us, and then like. Josh Allen from Ohio, you know, my second one there, there. Um, and, yeah, it just – it all comes together for me with the Bills. It's just like, oh, that's what the Jets are going to be. But let me just say something real quick. You said the AFC West is the be- best division in football? I don't know. Yes, dude. Sir. I think the AFC – I think the AFC East is right there. Look at the Dolphins now. Tyreek Hill, uh got Jalen Waddell. Like, okay, their defense is already really good. You know, a lot of the pieces came back over. Obviously, they didn't have shit through the draft. Um, but, like, their offense looks kind of crazy. We don't know what the- we're going to get out of the Dolphins. You have the Patriots, who are the Patriots. They still got Bill Balachek. Mac Jones played great. They got old, what's his name now, at wide receiver? Um, what's his name
0: from the Dolphins? Uh, oh, Devontae Parker.
1: Devontae Parker, you know? They got that random dude with a rapper name in the draft. <laughs>
0: um, oh, Cole Strange,
1: Cole Strange, that's my dude, bro. I'm telling Cole you, Cole Strange, Strange. OG. The OG, sp- yeah, exactly, Cole Strange OG. Um, and then you got the Bills, who are obviously Super Bowl contender. Uh, Josh Allen, shout out. And then you have little New York Jets that just killed the draft. Killed this whole offseason. Like I think, I think the AFC East, like maybe not as many well-known stars as the AFC West. Because, like you're right, you guys do got the home run hitters. You guys got Cleo Mack, Russell Wilson, Sierra, Patrick Mahomes. Sierra, um, because I feel like that's the only like, like I told you yesterday, that's the only reason why I feel like Russell Wilson's so cool now. Because otherwise, like, a football move, yeah, he's a good quarterback. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, because wife, Sierra. That's so cool. Like, I love <laughs> it. But, you know, my, my point being the AFC East, you know, is looking is looking, is looking pretty prime time too.
0: Yeah, no, I would totally agree with that. I see the vision there. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, all four of those teams are building and building. And I, I think for me, the only – major difference would be what you touched on was like in the AFC West right now, I view it having more bonafide, like proven stars. Whereas I think in the AFC East, you're looking at more like really good talent that is going to be really good and even better in the coming years. Like I think you could probably make an argument for AFC East being the best uh, division like I mean, you can make the argument this year, but really, like, next year and maybe the year after when you see Tua keep developing, uh, when you see, I mean, Josh Allen keep developing, Mac keep developing, Zach keep developing. Like, all those guys are really young and have, like – Josh Allen obviously scratched more of his surface than the other ones, um, but the other three guys are are really just starting out. Um, and, yeah, so, I like, I think for sure I see the vision there. Um, And those are some really strong rosters. I don't – I'm trying to think of any other division that, like, really compares. Uh, Before, um, like last year, you could for sure say the NFC West, but with Russ leaving, um, you know, it's hard to say that anymore. Um, Well,
1: Arizona's a question mark. Yeah. Um, The Rams just won the Super Bowl. And then, yeah, the Seahawks kind of suck now. The 49ers are good. but yeah, it's just pretty much two teams. Yeah, I can't really say. Maybe the the NFC or the AFC North. Yeah, Joe, yeah. Joey, B. Lamar, motherfucking small hands, Kenny Pickett,
0: <laughs> motherfucking small hands. Uh,
1: <laughs> and
0: then what? Oh, oh, oh! Deshaun Watson's in that division now. Yeah, man, that's that's a strong contender right there. Deshaun Watson's in that division now. I, I love Marders, that the Steelers oh are the worst goodness. team in the division, too.
1: Dude, prime-time game is
0: the Browns and the Ravens. Yeah, that's I need a, that's that.
1: That's a prime-time game now,
0: dude. That's a prime-time game. Dude, that Browns, was a prime-time game even with Baker, but with Deshaun, that takes it to a whole nother level. I'm saying, dude, like that that's
1: a prime-time game right there. That, that, my friend, is a sleeper. Sleeper rivalry, like, renewal right there. Deshaun oh, Watson. Deshaun Watson is going to do a lot for the Cleveland Browns. And just like that, they're must-watch television. Like, must-watch television. I got to see Lamar, especially, when like, how he was playing last year, Mr. Comeback Hero, Mr. Down 41 points, still Win the game, Mr. Put the team on the back. Like, because that's what Deshaun Watson does. Like, yeah, it's just going to be – it's going to be great. It's, it's going to be great. And, oh, my goodness, and then the Ravens had such a killer draft. So, we're going to see Kyle Hamilton and Tyler Linderbaum and David Njavo. Like,
0: I need it. Dude, oh, my goodness. Also, if, low key, if,
1: it's Jets, if it's not the Jets, I pray it's the Ravens. That's all I'm saying.
0: Dude, I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm with you there. And, like, uh, low-key to the Ravens versus Browns, one of the best uniform combos in the entire league like i don't even care
1: like it it almost doesn't even
0: matter what combo of of their uniforms that you do like it's still just fire i think the best one is like the browns home and then the ravens if you do like the away white jersey with the purple pants like give me that shit all day
1: see I, I, i i honestly like all the ravens combo um me too but if i'm being honest with you they're that color rush is killer dude with the gold with the gold yeah. numbers like yeah i love that uniform so much it's so good like and sometimes i feel like with those color rushes like over saturation but the ravens i'm just like dude give me more of that
0: i agree yeah i mean purple and gold is a, an amazing combination to begin with um but yeah the ravens pulled off a while, except for when they tried to do the gold pants that just looked like mustard that was that was crazy that was not good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Lots of, uh, matchups to look forward to lots of strong divisions in the league. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with your point there. I think the AFC East is very strong, only getting stronger and it'll be exciting to see. And, uh, speaking of the AFC East, uh, that brings us to the end of our NFL news here. So, uh, we can go ahead and jump right into our team breakdowns and start with the New York Jets.
1: Awesome. So, Obviously, you know, throughout the beginning of our podcast and all the way to now, you know, we went through like nice little stages of, you know, seeing the Jets roster for this upcoming year kind of take place. So obviously at the top there, our GM, Mr. Joe Douglas, Um, can't say enough great things about Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, our head coach, amazing, love the dude, you know, first Muslim American head coach, got a shout out every single time because it's yeah. a great, it's a great feat. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're having obviously our starting quarterback is going to be Zach Wilson, Zachy Dub, coming into the second year. Um, second half of the season ended real strong. Only him and Aaron Rodgers were the only two quarterbacks not to throw an interception last six games of the year. Um, and you know, when it's just you and the back-to-back MVP, that's, that's pretty good company. Yeah. Um, Then our new running back room is going to be, you know, Michael Carter, uh, Michael Carter II and, you know, the young stud, Brees Hall. Uh, We brought Tevin Coleman back. Um, I believe um, we have one more running back in that stable. Um, Not entirely sure what that fourth running back's name is. And then our wide receiver room, super stacked as well. We got Corey Davis. We got Elijah Moore. We got Braxton Berrios. We got the 10th pick himself, Mr. Garrett Wilson. We got Denzel Mims, if he ever feels like playing. Um, and, I, and I feel bad saying that about Denzel, but he really just has been so underwhelming. And some Jets fans hate him. Some Jets fans love him. I'm indifferent on him personally because, truthfully, he's been indifferent on the team. He hasn't been much of a, you know, plus or minus guy. Um, you know, sometimes he makes some, some mistakes, but definitely hasn't made enough to make me hate him or make me want the Jets to cut him or anything. I think he has tons of potential, and you love him. And I – honestly, you made me love him coming into the draft because you're like, yo, Denzel, like you were talking about him. Yeah, I remember you saying that you wanted the Broncos to kind of look into him in the second round as well. The Jets ended up doing it, and you sold me on him for sure. Um, so wide receiver room, obviously stacked. Then after that, tight ends, we got Jack Conklin, we got C.J. Uzama, and then we got the newly acquired jamming record, lifelong Jets fan. So love it. Um, offensive line, totally reshuffled, and it's it's great. It really is nice because we got Makai um, Beckton. you know, left tackle, starting left tackle, coming back from injury. Um, so we didn't even have him last year. Elijah the Tucker, first-round uh, guard that we traded back in for. He was a stud last year. Uh, he was ranked top 15 in the NFL, uh, and that's his rookie year. We just got yeah. Lincoln, uh Tomlinson from the 49ers, stud Pro Bowl guard. Nice. um And then, you know, it's like the, the Nate Herbring signings, the, you know, the guy we drafted in the fourth round. Um, I think his last name is Mitchell, Max, Max Mitchell. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he's played all three, you know, positions on the offensive line so guys that can move around do different things um you know you just you love to see an offensive line and a team that's created around the trenches um and then getting to the defensive side of the ball obviously cornerback room is going to start off with sauce Gardner. you know fourth overall pick we got um yeah bryce hall in there we got C.J. Mosley in the linebacker room. Mike Carter, the second, uh, the other Michael Carter um, on the team. He He's also uh, our slot corner right now as well. You know, we're getting Carl Lawson back from injury on the defensive line. Um, we already got Quentin Williams on the defensive line. We got his brother at linebacker, you know. So, honestly, the Jets are looking Real, real nice. And then adding to that defensive line as well, got Jermaine Johnson the second, you know. So it's really, really nice to see how the draft class uh, from this year complements the, you know, the sophomores from last year. Because obviously everything's about Zach Wilson. And we were able to do that not only through free agency, but through the draft, add more weapons for him, but also add you know, key players on the defensive side of the ball, because just like Joe Douglas said, you know, those are Zach Wilson's, you know, weapons as well. Just, he just can't throw it to him, you know, because those are going to be the guys that get the ball back for him. Those are going to be the guys that, you know, hold the offense, uh, the opposing offense to three points or to no points. So that way he has an opportunity to, you know, score points to win the game. So all in all, the Jets roster really has tons of upside, tons of potential. Um, but we have tons of unanswered questions that, you know, obviously we'll see going through training camp, Um, you know, some of these position battles get figured out. I think uh, one of the big ones that we have to figure out is definitely going to be, who's going to be the lead back as far as um, between Michael Carter and Brees Hall. Um, I think, I think initially it's probably going to be Michael Carter, but we'll definitely have to see, you know, in training camp and, you know, throughout um, the preseason, you know, how that position battle ends up working out. Um, I guess we're going to have to see truly how fast sauce adapts to um, the NFL and the NFL speed. I think that's going to be a big one. And that's going to answer a lot of questions about our defense initially, because if sauce starts out hot, I mean, the rest of the guys on the defense are veterans, you know, so, I think that they'll really pick up from that, and you know, just come out of the come out the gates firing. And so, I'm really excited to see uh, see this Jets team play next year. I I'm being honest with you; the last two years, I haven't been I haven't been this excited about Jets football for a long time. Like, there's just so much promise, so much potential on this team. Um, the drafts have been so good. The leadership on the um, as far as like in the front office is so good. Head coach is awesome. So yeah, this Jets team has me all in, man. I'm I'm really really excited um, to to see how it all plays out because I really do think that we can make some noise in this division. Now.
0: Yeah, man. No, and I I, uh, I totally agree. I I think you guys have a good chance to really be good. And you know, like we talked about a little earlier, got a lot of young talent and. Only up from there. You know what I mean? Especially with uh, like Sauce Gardner and Brees Hall. I think I agree with you that probably Michael Carter will be the lead back initially just because of the fact that he was the incumbent and he's already there. He knows what he's doing. But um, yeah, I think Brees Hall is going to be a star for you guys uh, once he uh, adapts to the NFL game and um, <laughs> shakes off those rookie jitters and all that good stuff. And yeah, I'm really excited for that. And yeah, um, Yeah, I mean, like like you said, there's some veteran presence there. Keep the young guys in check, um, but a lot of young talent. uh, Some really good coaching, obviously, from Robert Sala. Like, I'm totally on the Robert Sala train as well. Um, Ever since he came over from the 49ers, just his infectious energy. Um, He's obviously a play as coach. The players love him. Um, And, yeah, I mean, it's one of those situations where – I think if he can – like, as a coach, you just have to put the production behind it, Uh, but he's got every other piece that you want from a head coach. Um, So if he can put some production behind it and get you guys some wins, I think he's going to be your head coach for a really long time. And Joe Douglas has just knocked the shit out of the park. Um, I mean, no offense to, you know, the Jets. And, and like, in the past before him, it's just been – miserable a lot of the times when you look at their drafts and um the consistency at which i mean you like same as like the browns and stuff it's like the consistency at which there was bad picks being made and it's just night and day with joe douglas in my opinion um so yeah i couldn't be more happy for you guys and i couldn't be more excited to see the jets be good i think the jets or the league is just a better place when the jets are good you know um yeah
1: it's it, it's just so nice because now when the Jets play the Broncos this year, like I at least have some sort of hope. Last year it was – there was no hope at all. And you guys right. had Teddy Bridgewater. So, I mean, I still don't think – we're just going to be able to, you know, make it more competitive because, yeah, that, that – every time I think of the Broncos, I'm like, dang, Russell Wilson, huh? Like what what is that going to look like?
0: Dude. I, I can't even tell you how excited I am. And it, like, it's just, I know uh, the general sentiment is like Broncos fans are spoiled because we have had all these really nice quarterbacks and three Super Bowls and like eight Super Bowl appearances or whatever it is. Um, and we've only had like the past five or six years of just really being not good. Uh, But, man, it's been dry out here, bro. Like, if I saw that QB carousel graphic on ESPN one more time, I was going to start ripping out hair. Like, it was awful. So, to finally have Russell Wilson, yeah, I couldn't be more pumped. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I guess with that, we can go ahead and um, start off with the Denver Broncos here and go through them. So The uh, general manager, George Payton, I mean – Bro's just been fantastic. He's on his – I think he's working on his second year on the job now. And, I mean, there were some questions. I think a lot of people questioned him going for Patrick Sertan um, in the first round of last year's draft over uh, drafting Justin Fields, who was still there. Um, But, I mean, now that you have Russell Wilson, there is not a single point that I can point to on George Patton's record – Uh, as a blemish you know what I mean like so I could be more happy with him uh, so far our brand new head coach and Nathaniel Hackett uh, really excited about him he's clearly brought a new energy to the building alongside Russell Wilson Uh, and uh, yeah I mean as long as I think it's kind of the same situation as Sala, where like I think on the surface he has all those pieces you want like personality wise coaching style wise and uh, the fact that the players seem to really like him, like he's got all that. So as long as he can put the production uh, production behind it, um, I'm really uh, excited uh, for him as our head coach here. And uh, I think he can be really, really good for us. So, um, and then, yeah, we can start running through the roster real quick here. Obviously quarterback Russell Wilson still feels amazing to say, I don't think I'm going to truly believe it until I see it with my own eyes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, Couldn't be happier. And then uh, at running back, we have Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, and Mike Boone. A couple more guys there. Uh, Really, I just, rather than doing the entire roster, I have uh, the guys that I think are probably going to make the 53 pretty much. Um, And so you look at Javante and Melvin, got that uh, awesome one-two punch. Mike Boone came over from the Vikings with George Payton. Um, One of those guys that he had injury. And so we really haven't uh, seen a lot of him, but from the limited snaps he's had both in preseason and then some in the regular season. Um, he's a solid third back. And I would have been okay if not a little bit apprehensive um, with him coming in as our second back, but as our third back, you know, pretty happy with that. Um, and nice. then at tight end, we got Albert Okwebunom, uh, which, you know, he has been really solid. He was from Missouri. He was uh, Drew Locke's teammate um, and his favorite target in college there. And, um, yeah, I mean, athletic guy, uh, can catch the ball. He's had some injury concerns, um, but uh, after trading away Noah Fant, he's our number one tight end, and I'm excited for uh, him to get a chance to – I mean, you know, he liked Drew Locke and everything, but now he gets a chance to catch from a real quarterback, and um, I think he's going to – be a good talent, and then behind him you have the rookie Greg Dulcich in the second round. Um, you know, same thing there. Very athletic. Uh, I overestimated his, his uh, height in our previous podcast. I think I said he was like six six. I think he's actually like six five, or like six four. So a couple of inches shorter, and not as outrageous. But um, yeah, I mean, he's athletic. He's one of those guys that like you can throw it in the middle, and he's just gonna moss the linebacker, the safety. Um, and just go and get that ball. So excited about him. Eric Tomlinson, who we picked up in the offseason, uh, really going to be a run blocker pretty much. And then Eric Saubert, who we actually just re-signed earlier this week. Um, he's a guy that hasn't seen a lot of action, mostly uh, you know third team and scout team kind of guy. Um, but in his limited snaps, he's been solid, uh, good enough blocker, and then he's ripped off a couple, like, Uh, yardage or like chunk yardage plays in the regular season um, on occasion. So again, you know, not mad at him being the fourth tight end on the roster for sure. And then uh, at wide receiver, we have Cortland Sutton, Timmy P, Tim Patrick, one of my favorite players in the league. And I think he's absolutely going to go off this year. Um, He low-key kind of reminds me of like which maybe it's an unfair comparison because how you compare anyone to Larry Fitzgerald almost, but he's, he reminds me of Larry Fitzgerald in the sense of he's like a super sure handed receiver that just knows how to get open when he needs to be open, you know, like on a third and eight, he's your dude, especially for a quarterback like Russell Wilson. Like he just knows how to be in the right place. He has the situational awareness. He's a smart player. Um, And he always catches almost everything that's thrown to him. I think he's going to be Russell Wilson's best friend in this upcoming season. And um, somebody who started to get talked about last year, but still underrated, in my opinion. Um, And then another guy, Jerry Judy, who uh, everybody's expecting to be a star and just has not had the quarterback production to help him out. Um, And he's also had some injury, too. Um, and then K.J. Hamler, a speedster, another guy who coming off an ACL injury last year who we really didn't get to see a whole lot but could have some potential out of Penn State. Um, and then Tyree Cleveland, who is primarily special teams. Um, and uh, Dwayne Stukes, our, our new special teams coach, actually uh, has already referred to him as one of the core pieces of our special teams, even though like they're like only two weeks into <laughs> the mini camps and stuff. And I'm like, okay but yeah. And then, uh, Montreal, Washington, a rookie, um, he is potentially going to be our returner and, uh, he's mostly going to be up against uh, a couple UDFAs, uh, and then Kendall Hinton, you know, hall of fame quarterback for the Denver Broncos, but also a wide receiver, um, who's had some of our returning duties, um, in the last couple of years here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that wide receiver room is just absolutely stacked. Um, like I think a lot lot of those guys I overrate as a Broncos fan because they necessarily haven't had the uh, production of of other wide receivers. But in my opinion, looking at that wide receiver room, that is one of, if not the best room in the entire league, like, or it could be with Russell Wilson, you know, having Jerry Judy as your number three and then KJ Hamler, who could potentially really be good and has shown some flashes when uh, he's been on the field Um, as your number four. Like I will take it for sure. Uh, And then going through the offensive line here from left to right, we have at left tackle Garrett Bowles, obviously a franchise left tackle there. He had some struggles early in his career, uh, but he's really cleaned it up, got a nice extension and yeah. Happy with him there behind him, Bailey Quinn uh, who doesn't really get a lot of snaps. And then uh, at left guard, Dalton Reisner, uh, who has been solid for us, uh, Colorado native. Um, absolutely love that guy. Um, and then Natane Muti behind him, uh, who, absolute mauler. I really like him, and I think he does have potential. Um, but he's not really a scheme fit for what they've been or what they're trying to do. Uh, they want kind of more like a little bit smaller, agile linemen uh, in the scheme and outside zone scheme that they're wanting to run. And so kind of what I've been hearing is uh, Natane Muti might be one of those guys that uh, probably not, you know, off the roster this year, but uh, probably somebody we're not going to end up keeping in the long run um, and will end up finding a new home uh, just because of scheme fit reasons. Um, but then at center, we have Lloyd Cushenberry, uh, out of LSU, uh, part of that Joe Burrow 2019, uh, championship team. And he's been solid, uh, but not amazing for us, a smart player. Um, but he just has not been getting it, uh, like he's like, you know, bottom half of the league ranked. Um, so hopefully we can get some better production out of him. Um, and then behind him, Quinn Miners, and then the rookie Luke, uh, Luke Wattenberg, uh, so a couple names there to give him some competition, but then at uh, right guard, we have Graham Glasgow starting. He was a starter for the lions for a while, both at center and right guard. Um, and he's been solid for us as well. And then Quinn miners behind him as well at right guard. He can do that or center. Um, and he's a player who likely is going to end up overtaking Glasgow um, for the starter. I think probably this upcoming year. And I think we let uh, Glasgow walk. Um, and then behind them, Ben Braden, another off season pickup, um, who's, you know, I mean, he's not a, he's more of like a specialist, um, and a young player. I think somebody who, uh, he came over from the Packers. So somebody who Nathaniel Hackett over there, uh, as the offensive coordinator liked and wanted to bring over, uh, and then at right tackle, this is really, uh, the one position on the roster it's going to be an open competition going into training camp um and it's going to be between calvin anderson uh our swing tackle for the last few years i believe he's like 26 or 27 so pretty young um and he could potentially be the starter there that's who i'm kind of crossing my fingers uh wins the job um and then behind him billy turner uh our previous swing tackle uh of a few years ago, but then actually went up to the Packers most recently and was there for a couple of years and uh, was solid with them, uh, working both on uh, the tackle positions, but then as guard too. Um, And so he can be a a nice resource. Um, And then Tom Compton coming over from the 49ers, he can also do tackle or guard, but he's primarily a run blocker uh, and is not very good in pass blocking. Um, So, yeah, a couple options there. Um, And that offense as a whole just looks fantastic to me. Uh, I would, I'm really excited to see it on the field and um, yeah, I'm expecting great things. And uh, on the defense here, we could start with the safeties Uh, at free safety. We have Justin Simmons, best safety in the league. Uh, behind him, P.J. Locke, um, and then at strong safety, brought back Kareem Jackson on a cheap deal, $5 uh, million over one, de- uh, one year there. Caden uh, Stearns, a young guy out of Texas, uh, who end up uh, may end up actually being the starter at strong safety, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, kind of use Kareem Jackson in more of a nickel role uh, this upcoming year. So, um, yeah, excited about him. He's got a lot of talent. Um, He was a guy actually last year when I went to the training camp, he was a rookie, and he was out there making plays as a rookie, like in training camp and showing up. And um, clearly he's been trying to make his name there, um, and people are starting to take notice in that building. So uh, then a rookie, uh, Delarin Turner-Yell, he's probably mostly uh, likely going to be special teams mostly. Um, and then behind him, Jamar Johnson, uh, guy that he's, a uh, he came in last year as well with Caden Stearns. And I actually thought that he was going to be somebody like a really underrated guy. Um, he's a smart player, got that IQ. Um, but he just has not, uh, developed, uh, the same way Caden Stearns has yet at least. Um, but yeah, hopeful for him. And then our cornerback room here, uh, obviously Pat Sertan, the second, uh, the rookie there, or well, rookie last year, going into his second year. Yeah, could be more happier, uh, couldn't be happier with him, uh, especially after you know, like I said, uh, some people question passing on the quarterbacks to get a corner there, Um, but after you get Russell Wilson, got to be happy with Pat Sertan pick. He's a lockdown corner already, and uh, yeah, and then behind him, Ronald Darby, still got him for a couple years under contract. Uh, relatively young uh, corner, cornerback there. And he's been solid when he's on the field. Um, I really like him as well. Uh, Michael Ojemudia. uh, He's been a young player who's uh, kind of gotten stuck behind uh, some other guys, especially last year, um, and then struggled with some injury. But um, I I really think he could be solid as well. Um, And then our rookie here, Damari Mathis, who we brought in from Pitt. Um, Somebody who I'm really interested to see. I I don't know that he's going to be, uh, too much of a contributor this first year. Um, but he's very physical, uh, a smart player. And uh, I think that once he gets adjusted to the NFL game, um, he could be really solid. And I think he has the potential to play uh, in the slot as well as on the outside. Um, but then, uh, yeah, looking at specifically our slot slash nickel cornerbacks, um, our starter there is going to be Quan Williams coming over from the 49ers. Solid pickup there after losing Bryce Callahan. Um, you know, he's had some injury concerns like Bryce has, um, but I would say less. And, um, yeah, I'm excited for him. Damari Mathis put him on there as well. Uh, he's probably going to be the second slot behind Kwan Williams, I would imagine. Um, and then behind them you have a Sing Bassey, another young player. Um, shown some flashes, but, yeah, not too much there. And then another rookie in Fayon Hicks. Um, and he could be, I believe he was out, out of Oklahoma. Um, he could be something, um, you know, I, I like his athleticism. Uh, I think he's got some potential, but he's got a lot of work to do. He was a seventh round pick and, um, yeah, just on technique on, um, I think he tracks wide receivers well, but he struggles at the point of attack with the ball and, uh, just doesn't really get his hands on guys. And then, uh, isn't the best tackler of what I saw. Um, but yeah, I mean, he could be something potentially uh, we'll have to see what these coaches can make out of him. And uh, moving on to inside linebacker, brought back Josie Jewell in the off season, uh, really excited for him. He was playing his best football uh, that he had in his entire career uh, prior to tearing his pec, uh last year there. Um, and then Alex Singleton brought him over this off season from the Eagles. Um, I think he's going to be on special teams as well, but, uh, it really appears that the Broncos are looking to uh, put him potentially a starter next to Josie jewel there uh, as an inside linebacker. So I, uh, which I don't think he's gotten like super extended minutes there before. So uh, I'm interested to see how that turns out there uh, behind them. You have Jonas Griffith, a young player who showed out a little bit uh, last year when we were really just decimated by injury um, at that spot. And he stepped up and, provided solid play for a rookie, uh, at a difficult position. Um, and he's a smart player too. He actually, uh, because Josie Jewell was the, uh, like a defensive play caller and he had the radio in his helmet. And, uh, after he went down, Jonas Griffith ended up taking that responsibility as a rookie, uh, which I thought was yeah. kind of impressive. So, um, yeah, absolutely. yeah. And then, uh, Baron Browning. So Baron, he, he's interesting because he has the ability to do um, inside linebacker as well as uh, when he was in college, he more primarily was an edge player and an edge rusher. Um, and so he could be somebody who uh, kind of moves around on the defense depending on where we need him. Um, and, uh, you know, got a lot of edge rushers, but you can never have enough. Um, and then behind him, them, Justin Chernod. Uh, I was excited about him, uh, but he has not really shown what I was hoping. Um, and he, honestly, he could be a cut candidate coming up this year. Um, but then moving on to edge there, brought in Randy Gregory from the Cowboys, pretty excited for him. Um, he's had some injury history in the past as well as just missing time for, uh, uh, you know, other things, but, uh, kind of what we talked about in the offseason, we picked him up, um, seems like he's kind of moved his life forward. Um, and hopefully he's on the right track there. Um, personally speaking, And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do in a Broncos uniform. Um, I still don't like that he's wearing number five. It just kind of looks weird to me for an edge rusher, but it's kind of a clean jersey too. So, you know, whatever, I guess. Right. Uh, And then uh, Bradley Chubb wearing 55 on the other side there. Um, Yeah, this is going to be a make-or-break year for him, honestly, um, because he – uh, was picked number five overall in 2018. Um, we passed on Josh Allen for him. We passed on Josh Rosen for him too, uh, and uh-huh. Lamar Jackson. Um, so yeah, I mean he has he had solid uh, production in his rookie year. Um, unfortunately, didn't really get to play with Vaughn because Vaughn was injured that year, um, and then he was injured the next year, and then got injured. Uh, he played a little bit this past year. Um, but got injured as well and missed a a solid chunk of time. So between injury and then when he has been uh, on the field, other than his first year, he just has been kind of uh, underwhelming. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a make or break year for him. Uh, He may end up being somebody that tests free agency, depending on what kind of year he has this year. Um, And uh, if the Broncos want to pay him, and we'll just have to see how that goes. But uh, behind him, Malik Reed, uh, great dude, uh, undrafted free agent who's worked his way up, got a lot of starts last year with injury. Um, he's not a world beater or anything, but uh, he does his job and he can make some plays when he's needed. And, uh, yeah, I mean, great guy to have as your third edge rusher on the, the roster. And then uh, behind them, Nick Bonito, the draft pick, somebody I'm really, really excited about. Um, I think he may need some time to develop, especially on the run defense aspect. Um, just setting the edge, uh, which is really important in the Fangio defense. Um, And, um, yeah, I I am excited to see what he can contribute in his rookie year, but uh, I definitely think he's just going to be a rotational piece uh, for that first year. Um, And then behind them, Jonathan Cooper and Barron Browning, two Ohio State guys. We talked about Baron Browning a little earlier, um, coming off the edge there. Occasionally, uh, Jonathan Cooper, very much more an edge specialist. Um, and, uh, yeah, they came in together from Ohio state, um, and both of them were solid last year, so, uh, showed some potential and uh, I'm excited to see what they can do. And then behind them, uh, Andre, uh, Mincy, and he's another one of those special teams guys, uh, that, uh, Dwayne Stukes, the special teams coach, uh, mentioned is, uh, kind of has, uh, implanted himself as one of those core special teams guys. So probably going to make the roster there as well despite not really getting a lot of action um, in the uh, actual edge spot there. Um, And then for the defensive line, starting off with our defensive ends, Draymond Jones, who I think is going to have a hell of a year this year. Um, Honestly, a breakout candidate to be, uh, you know, one of the best defensive ends in the league, in my opinion, Um, especially when we have – because Draymond is one of those guys where he's pure-ass pass rush right? And so he can get through a defensive line when he has the time for it. Um, And I think for the Broncos, part of the reason why our pass rush has been so underwhelming in the last few years is when you think about the type of uh, football we've had to play, not having a quarterback who can get us leads. So most of the time we're playing from behind. And when you're playing from the behind, the uh, easiest thing that the other team can do is run the ball, You know what I mean? So that uh, run down that clock, they have the lead. They're trying to end the game as quick as possible. And uh, for dedicated pass uh, rushers such as Draymond Jones, that does not play to their strength. Um, And so he has not had a a ton of opportunity. Um, And I think that's part of why, like I said, our our edge rushing in general has just not really gotten there a ton is because uh, defensively they've been put in a spot where, Um, they're doing a lot of running. And then, you know, when they are passing, it's usually quick passing and they just don't get the chance to get there. Um, And they, you know, when you're winning, you can just kind of do whatever you want usually. Um, But yeah, excited for him behind him, Jonathan Harris, Uh, you know, young guy hasn't really shown much yet Uh, at nose tackle. We brought over DJ Jones from the 49ers Uh, really excited for him. He's going to be solid behind him. Mike Bursell, uh, another guy, you know, a run stuffer, um, not much in the way of pass rush, and he struggled with some injuries, but really good dude, really like him. And then behind them, uh, Iyoma Uwazarike, a rookie, um, and he's somebody who uh, he's listed under nose tackle, um, but I do think that he's going to move around the line, and I actually don't know that he's going to uh, spend a lot of time at nose tackle, in my opinion, uh, because he's a little undersized for that. Uh, in college, he got away with it, um, but he's like six foot, 320, something, something around that. And usually you want your nose tackle in the NFL to be a little bit taller than that, a little bit bigger than that, especially if you're expecting him uh, to be that centerpiece for a run defense. Um, so I really think that he's going to be more uh, of a three technique uh, and out more um, there. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do. He was really solid in college and he was like a five year starter or something ridiculous like that. Um, and he was in college for a while. So, um, but yeah. And then at a defensive tackle, we have Deshaun Williams, another undrafted free agent who's worked his way up, made the roster last year. Um, and he had been cut like eight different times in his career, I believe, um, before that. And, uh, so it was a really cool story. Um, he shows up, he likes to bat balls sometimes. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I really like that guy. I hope he makes the roster again this year. I think he will. Um, behind him, McTelvin Aguim, uh, somebody with a lot of potential who has not gotten a lot of snaps uh, this thus far in his career. Uh, and then a rookie, Matt Henningsen. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a high-drive guy. Um, I think he's a low-ceiling guy, but I think he's going to be a nice rot- a rotational pass rusher for us. Uh, not amazing in the run game, but yeah, he's got that drive to get after the quarterback. Um, and then for the special teams, uh, just punter and kicker, uh, we have Sam Martin and then Super Bowl 50 winner, the only one left on the roster, Brandon McManus, uh, best kicker in the league. No, he's not, but I'm going to say that anyways because I like him, best kicker in the league. And uh, yeah, that's the Broncos roster. I mean, just absolutely stacked at just about every single position. Uh, I, you know, obviously I'm biased, but uh, I I could not be more excited. I think all this roster needed was a quarterback. Um, it really, the only quotations hole you could say is right tackle. Um, but I think we have some pieces there that are going to be good enough. Uh, and I think that the uh, between Russell Wilson and having a good quarterback there, fi- quarterback back there finally. Um, And then the rest of the line being solid, I I really think that uh, that's not going to be a concern there. So, I mean, yeah, uh, I think the Broncos are going to be contending uh, in the playoffs, which is very nice to say after like six years now of not making the playoffs. Um, And yeah, I couldn't be more excited. Um, Top three storylines for the Broncos going into the season – Um, I think the biggest, the single biggest thing for me, this is the first year for Nathaniel Hackett and all of that coaching staff. um, And they have like they have some guys behind them in terms of um, or with with, like experience and uh, coaching experience. But most of those guys in their brand new roles, like they got elevated to those roles for the first times in their career. So Dwayne Stooks, first time uh, special teams coordinator, uh, Nathaniel head, or Nathaniel Hackett, first time head coach, um, Justin Outen, first time offensive coordinator, uh, you know, I'm, I'm forgetting some of these guys' names, but I'm pretty sure literally every single coach, it's their first time being in that position. So I think that's the number one concern for me is how quickly are those guys going to get accustomed to the game? nine times out of 10, I mean, really 9.999 times out of 10, these uh, first year head coaches go through a lot of ups and downs because they just don't know what they're doing yet. Um, And especially when you don't have uh, somebody with head coaching experience in your ear to share their mistakes that they went through, um, you are probably going to struggle just realistically. Um, and so I think that's probably going to be the number one obstacle to this Broncos team competing this year, honestly, is the coaching staff and just getting, uh, getting into it. But, you know, obviously I hope they prove me wrong. Um, and yeah, we'll just have to see there. And then uh, at number two, obviously Russell Wilson coming over on a brand new team, he's got to get accustomed to all of his new teammates. That offense has to get accustomed to him. Um, they've obviously started all that work. Um and you saw with um, last year with the Rams and Matthew Stafford and uh, the, the previous year as well, Tom Brady and the Bucks that it doesn't necessarily start fast, but it is possible to gain that chemistry throughout the first season with a brand-new quarterback like that, especially if they're a high-level high quarterback and uh, really be firing on all cylinders by the end of the year, um, which is what both of those Bucks and uh, Rams teams did on their way to Super Bowls. With a first year free agent quarterbacks. So, you know, if we can manage to follow the blueprint, that would be fantastic. But um, the difference being there is uh, going back to the head coaching, both of those teams had established, uh, respected coaches uh, that were already there and already ready to welcome that quarterback in between Sean McVay and um, Bruce Arians. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see um, what happens. But, yeah, going back to that number one, I think that's really just what ties it all together is can this coaching staff be good enough uh, in the first year? Um, And then number three, is this roster as good as it's hyped to be? Um, You know, Broncos fans, I'm pretty sure if you ask any Broncos fan over the last two years, they will tell you the exact same thing about the roster is that. We've really been building, and we have a lot of solid guys and, honestly, one of the best rosters overall in the league, but the lack of quarterback was really holding us back. And now that we have the quarterback, everybody on that roster needs to put up or shut up. There's no more, like, you know, these guys could be really good, but they're missing this. They're missing the quarterback play. They're missing the head coaching, whatever. Like, this is the time where either you are or you aren't you know? Um, and so I'm really excited to see it. Um, and I am really excited or I hope that this uh, roster can pull through and be as good as I really, really think that we have the chance to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, for record prediction, um, I'm going 10 and seven, you know, this is pretty fluid and like we were talking about a little bit earlier, it really depends on when these games are in the schedule, which has not been released at this point. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's my guess, 10 and seven, some of the potential losses that I think that we might uh drop there. Uh, when you look at the home games, the Colts who I think are going to be super strong this year and also a contender, uh, with Matt Ryan there. And then the chiefs at home, which, you know, the chiefs until we can prove they be, uh, that we can beat them. I'm just going to assume those losses as sad, as, as sad as it is, but you know, uh, <laughs> Cardinals at home. This is what we're talking about with the uh, Deshaun Watson, or I'm sorry, not Deshaun Watson. Um, oh my God, d Hop. Jesus, Dehop. wow. Uh, but yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, Jesus, not even close to the same name, same team before <laughs> though. But uh, right, yeah. So it, if De, if DeAndre Hopkins is out when uh w- with those six game uh, ban there when we play them, I really do think the Broncos win that game, but with D hop in, that's a toss up to me. Like, uh, I think the cards, like you mentioned, they're kind of a question of how good they're going to be. You got the Kyler thing going on. Um, but I mean, last year they were a really solid team, uh, at least until the playoffs came around and, um, you know, they still have JJ Wyatt. They still have a lot of those guys. They, they did lose Chandler Jones. Um, but for the most part that roster pretty intact and uh, obviously adding Hollywood Brown and losing uh, Christian Kirk to the Jaguars. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll be interested to see it. I just think that that's one that uh, potentially we may uh, drop there and then away games uh, you have the Rams, you know, obviously, you know, if we're really good, I think that'll be a game, but hard to project yourself winning against the uh, de- defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, Titans, probably, depending on how good Traylon Burks is immediately, I think a lot of their season probably hinges on that too. Um, Yep. And then the Chiefs away, talked about that. Hard to assume we're going to win until we do. Uh, And then the Chargers away. I do think we take the home uh, game with the chargers that's kind of usually how it goes with us in the chargers is generally we will split and uh, we'll usually take like the home games each. So um, the chargers really, honestly, like I could see a world where we sweep them and they sweep us, you know, like, I think that that's entirely possible. Um, I will say the Raiders until they prove me otherwise, I think they're the worst team in the division, even with uh, Devontae Adams. I Um, think they have the most questions.
1: I think they have the most, like, unsure things that they have to prove. I think the other three teams are, like, a bit more proven, you know, like. I agree. I just – I know what I'm expecting out of the other three teams relatively. Um, It's the Raiders that, like, especially it's just the Josh McDaniels thing that makes me Mm -hmm. question what's going on with the Raiders, you know, because I just don't know – just like you kind of linked the Broncos to he was so bad his first stint with the Broncos that and then he like took the Colts job and then backed out of it and in general the fact that he's like Mr. Patriot number two to like Bill Belichick really just makes me not like the guy in general but I mean he does do his thing when it comes to the offense and he does have some uh, some weapons there in Las Vegas. So, yeah, the Raiders, for sure, are probably the worst team in the division. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I agree completely. The Chargers, Chargers games, for sure, could be uh, split with the Chargers winning at home and then the Broncos winning at home. So Yeah,
0: yeah, and uh, that AFC West is just – you know, we, we've talked about it. We'll keep talking about it. Um, and we're going to go over the rest of the AFC West teams at some point, uh, but it's just going to be an absolute bloodbath. Um, and I think a lot of those teams, like, we're just going to have to see what they are when we get into the season. Uh, like you mentioned the most questions, I think with the Raiders, you have that brand new head coach. Um, you do have an established quarterback, you know, a lot of that core established, obviously, Um but I mean, the, you know, in terms of talent, they're very clearly the worst uh, roster in the division. And I think part like a lot of the reason that they finished as high as they did last year was because the Broncos and chargers did not take advantage of the opportunities that they had to get above the Raiders. Um, and the Raiders, despite having a very chaotic season with a lot going on, they had a lot of things fall their way and uh, they, um, pulled out a lot of games that they didn't necessarily um, like should have, you know what I mean? Um, Right. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see with that. And then, I mean, you look at the Broncos, obviously, like I mentioned, brand new head coach, Russell Wilson coming in, uh, and a lot of unproven uh, production with a lot of these players that are, you like, you can project them as being really good. But when you look at the paper and, and what they've actually put up, Um, they haven't put up the production that we're uh, hoping that they can yet. So they're going to have to prove it. Uh, We're just going to have to see how that goes and um, how fast this Broncos team can get going. And another point with the AFC West and the Broncos is, like, depending on how fast the Broncos can get going, that division is going to be so damn competitive, especially with the Chargers and the Chiefs, that if you don't get a quick start, uh, you're automatically going to be sitting at third in the division. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Um,
0: and so that it's an uphill climb from there. Um, so, yeah, it's just we're, – we're just going to have to see how the season plays out. Um, I think the Broncos have a chance to be really, really good and be a contender. Uh, but just as easily, if things don't roll their way, uh, they could end up third in division. And if the Raiders just have a hell of a fucking season, I hate to say it, there's a world where the Broncos are fourth in the division, even with Russell Wilson, like the division is just that good. Um, So yeah, we're just going to have to see how it folds out. But um, I mean, obviously as a Broncos fan, I could not be more optimistic. Um, And I'm excited to have a fun Broncos team to watch again.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with all your points. I think the other big question that I have um, and you already touched on it when you were going over the roster um, I, I, I really do question Bradley Chubb and yeah. part of the reason why I question Bradley Chubb is because the when I look at the AFC West pass rushers I have to put the Broncos in fourth place as yeah. far as your yeah, as far as your duo and that's mainly linked to Bradley Chubb I yeah. just feel like if, if Bradley Chubb was a bit more of a – we just have seen more out of him. Um, but, I mean, I'll I'll be the one to tell you guys. I'll be the one to tell Broncos Crunchy right now. Bradley Chubb's a bust. Like, he is a bust. Yeah. Like, he, he just is a bust. For the fifth overall pick, uh, this is, like, this is what you've gotten out of him. Um, and if he – and this is, like, super typical Broncos – um, like especially with like a random position like this, um, he, he's probably gonna ball out this year, make it super hard to decide if you guys are gonna sign him or not. And then you guys will probably give him a huge contract and then nothing. Yeah. Um, so I just and I and I hope that's not the case. I hope Bradley Chubb proves me wrong, it's just his track record hasn't. And I think that that's gonna go that's gonna play a big, a big difference in some of those big primetime games like you're talking about. You're talking about Matt Ryan. Uh, You're talking about, you know, possibly, you know, Kyler Murray. Well, definitely Kyler Murray, not possibly, but Kyler Murray possibly with DeAndre Hopkins. You know, and if that's one thing that's going to disrupt that, you know, that effectiveness of DeAndre Hopkins or effectiveness of Devontae Adams is if Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb are getting to Derek Carr and Kyler Murray and all these star quarterbacks that the the Broncos have to face. And luckily you have Pat Sertan, PS2 on the back, Luckily, you got Justin Simmons in the back. But, you know, the pass rush is huge. Um, and I, I, I really do applaud you for bringing up that point in regards to Nathaniel Hackett and the coaching staff. Because that's such a forgotten point about football that a lot of fans don't realize. You know, that, you know and, and something that I didn't realize for a really long time as well, that the coaching staff is such instrumental. Obviously, players play. But if they don't know what they're doing because their coaching staff's all muddled up or they're not going to the right place to, you know, take advantage of the talent or the position groups that are on the field, um, it's going to be real tough. So I really do love that point that you bring up with uh, Nathaniel Hackett and his coaching staff. That they have to be ready to take this roster that's ready to go and make sure, you know, they can guide it because otherwise yeah, you're going to have like a situation with the Browns um, you know, from a few years ago, where we all looked at the Browns roster and said, whoa, this is this is a pretty stacked roster. But, you know, because of inept coaching, you weren't able to see, like, a full, um, you know, roster be unleashed. And so, and luckily, I think that you have a bit of um you have a bit of an advantage because you have Russ, you know, because he's going to be able to kind of displace some of that. You know, because honestly, he's going to know what he likes to run. And even more so, I think Nathaniel Hackett's going to be very willing to let Russ cook. Like, whatever yeah. Russ wants to do, I'm sure that Nathaniel Hackett will be down. And then Javante Williams is going to be such a big part of the offense that I think a lot of it's going to go through him. Yeah. Um, so, I think you're going to have a very nice balanced attack. But, yeah, you're right. I think a lot of these guys have to produce. Um I think some of the wide receivers, you know, um, JJ, you know, although I love him, uh, Jerry got to come up. He's got he's got to show that he's the uh, because right now, I would say Tim Patrick's your number one wide receiver,
0: um, yeah.
1: and 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 the reason I'm saying that is because he's been the most consistent of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and shout out to Tim Patrick because he is supposed to be the three. Yeah, and. Sometimes he makes Jerry Judy the three. And yeah. that's uh, you know, that that's that's quite amazing. So hopefully Cortland Sutton comes back. I know he's battled with injuries and uh, you know, he, when Cortland Sutton's on, he really is on. He really is a difference maker. Um so I'm just really hoping that everything hits uh with the ground running with the Broncos. Um, because yeah, I want the AFC West to be a bloodbath like. I just want all the because you know, the Chiefs and the Broncos are going to be primetime games now, and the Chiefs play in primetime games anyways. So, right. but all of the division games are so important now. You can't drop one, can't drop yeah. one because yeah. if you drop one, that's going to be potential playoff season, you know, and it's going to be tiebreakers. And in a, in when you're talking about three teams, we've seen three teams from the NFC West get into the playoffs before. So it's not unheard of for three, for three teams from the AFC West to make the playoffs either. And it's going to determine that seeding, you know, and as the Nuggets just learned, sometimes playoff seeding is relatively important.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, especially when you're talking about, like you said, those division games, uh, it, you know, it's one thing to be fighting for uh, playoff seeding with a, a different team even in the same uh, conference but against your own division opponents when it's probably going to be neck and neck those are meaningful meaningful games um, that are going to be played throughout the entire season and yeah just an absolute bloodbath of a division I cannot wait Um, but like you said the importance of those games cannot be understated Um, and especially if you know like I'm predicting we drop the Chiefs and the Chargers away and um, the Chiefs at home potentially and you know i have the broncos um like 10 and 7 you could look at their the schedule and say that's generous for the broncos i have them beating the ravens um i have them sweeping the raiders like there's a few games on there that you could say would go either way potentially um and so yeah, yeah i mean it, it's going to be one of those things like we'll just have to see how it plays out like you said um hopefully everything hits the ground running and uh, those, you know, pieces of the puzzle come together, but yeah, I mean, time will tell. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Ravens and Broncos, they play each other next year. They do. How, what home. do you even do? What do you even do? What do you even do? You just hope the game ends in a tie. Like <laughs> you, you wear the Lamar Jackson jersey underneath the Broncos yeah.
0: jersey. Like, I've actually you done that before.
1: I, dude, I'm telling you, like, what do you do? Like, you wear the rest jersey on top for the first half, and then you wear the Lamar jersey on, on top for the second half. Like, <laughs> it, It's uh, – it's that's, it, that's a tough game for you.
0: Yeah, man, it's a pickle. But, yeah, I mean, for me, like, as much as I do love Lamar and the Ravens, my uh, Broncos fandom will always outweigh the Ravens just because they've been my team for my entire life. Um, right. And so – that's the tie break yeah for me but like it it hurts so i wouldn't even say i root against the ravens i just like want the broncos to win more <laughs> so right um, but yeah that that'll be an exciting game for sure uh it's at home for the broncos um or no i'm sorry it is away actually so that's at MT bank so that actually could be um cuz i have them winning that game but that could, that could be, be the decider hour. is the fact that it's yeah. at mt so you have um, you have the Broncos losing to the Titans. I do. I think you know. Like I said, I think that can go either way. But the Titans were the one seed last year, man. Like you know, yeah, one of those I things were
1: weaker. I think they've gotten significantly
0: weaker. I think uh, so too, especially with AJ Brown gone. Yeah,
1: like you're gonna get a healthy King Henry and King Henry going, to King Henry. But yeah, all I'm gonna say is. The motherfucking Jets beat him last year, dog. Like, true. One true. Seat, the one seed or not. Like, and granted, AJ wasn't there. So that's what I'm saying. AJ wasn't playing. And the Jets beat him. And King yeah. Henry ran all over us. He had like 161 in that game. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying.
0: It's fair points. I, it's I, fair points. I don't think the
1: times are shit. I just think that, like, I just really do think, it, like, it. What you said about um, what's his name? What who who did uh, Traylon Burks? Um, oh yeah, it, Traylon Burks, low key. How's the keys to the city right now? If you're a yeah. uh, Titan, because Ryan Townhill, and especially with his comments about uh, Malik Willis, Ryan Townhill is even further on the "I don't like you" list. Yeah, but um, yeah, like. If Traylon Burks doesn't come out and like, like fucking Jamar chase it up, Justin Jefferson it up, which he could, like, dude has potential. Um, I, I watched tons of film on him because they were talking about the Jets getting him. He's a physical freak. Um, you know, big guy. He's a burner. He's got all of the things that you want in a number one wide receiver, but still got to put it together. He still got to play ball. So yeah, um, yeah, I think if you lose that balanced attack that the Titans have. Because they don't even have the tight end anymore, right? Th- didn't didn't he go to
0: New England? Oh, Johnny, yeah, a couple years ago. Yeah.
1: So now, like, I don't know. I just, I really do think that the Titans, the Titans, really have severely weakened their roster by the, I the So I think, I think you might swap those, right? Like maybe you lose the, the Ravens. Ravens. Yeah, so.
0: yeah, I would agree. Well, and two, like, uh, you know, like we were talking about with the cards yeah. game, it really depends on the um, layout of the schedule, too. Because you think about that Titans game, you say, you know, if it's week two, you got a rookie Traylon Burks in his second game ever, probably not going to be amazing. There's a potential that later in the season, if it's week 16 or week 15 or whatever that they're more together. Hopefully we're more together by that point um, too. You know, like that completely changes the dynamic of the game. Um, so there's so many ifs and buts. And uh, yeah, but I, I agree that that you could probably uh, swap those and uh, the Broncos could potentially drop that uh, Ravens away game and then take the Titans. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a few games like that that it's just going to depend on where exactly we're at in the season, how they're playing. And, uh, yeah, with so many unknowns, it's, it's kind of hard to totally predict everything. But, um, yeah, and then I suppose with that, we can go ahead and uh, move on to the NBA playoffs and uh, run through the second round and recap what's happened so far. Um, so in the Western Conference, the Warriors versus Grizzlies – uh, the series right now, the Warriors are winning two to one after game three last night, where the Warriors just blew the brakes off, uh, won by 30 points. And um, yeah, I mean, a statement game by the Warriors, obviously, after the Grizzlies took game two. Um, but I, I still think this one goes to at least six or seven games. Um, I think Jaw's not going to give up. Although, actually, a big point to this that I almost forgot to bring up was uh, Jaw at this point has been ruled out for game four. Uh, well, so depending on how many injured, right? games he, I'm sorry, what?
1: Cause the knee injury, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know that we know exactly the extent of the knee injury, if it's just like a strain or what, but depending on how many games he drops, that could either be just the end of that series right there. Or uh, if he makes just misses one game, I think they still maybe have a chance, but I mean, at 3-1, I don't know. It's an uphill battle. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's been a fun series so far. I think it's clear that the Warriors are the more talented team, um, but the Grizzlies are certainly not making it easier for them.
1: No, the Grizzlies are tenacious, dude. And let me just say something real quick. If you're Ja Morant, you kind of want – okay, let me paraphrase this by saying you don't want your team to lose, but if if the Grizz beat the Warriors without Ja Moran, what's the storyline then? Right? Are the Grizz better without Jaw? Blah 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 blah. And in the middle of uh, the playoffs, that's just not you. Don't want to hear that your team's potentially better without you. You know because right. It's it's just gonna I, I, and maybe Ja is a bit more. Uh, you know, mentally, mentally, uh, like strong, and he can block out that. noise. but still, it's not, it's not comforting. Um, because that was that was one of the big storylines that is going around with the Grizzlies right now is, are they better off without Jaw? And when you're playing against the Warriors, especially with the way the Warriors are playing right now, especially after they just lost by thirty points, like oh, yeah, we 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 literally saw some of that game last night while we were watching the fights, and. We saw just a thorough out-beating, and 30 points is crazy. So the Warriors are going into this next game with tons of momentum. You don't have your best player in John Moran. If you, lo- if you lose one more game to the Warriors, if I'm being honest with you, depending on how bad they lose, if it's a close game, I think they'll, they'll extend it. Um, if it's not, I think the Warriors are going to wrap it up relatively soon. Um, just because those they just really have no sign of slowing down um and I think that don't get me wrong i uh, I loved how Ja came back and you know stormed the gate for game two um 49 points did his thing loved to see it but you really cannot afford to make any mistakes against Golden state right now because they'll they'll end they'll end the series quicker than you
0: think yeah yeah i totally agree with that. All right, and then our next series here is the Suns versus the Mavericks. Uh, Currently, two versus two. um, After the game here on Sunday, Mavericks took another game, and yeah, we thought this was going to be competitive, but um, honestly, the Mavericks are putting up more of a fight than I thought they were going to. And um, you know, today was not a good game for the Suns. Like just straight up. Um, Suns are not being as quite, uh, quite as dominant as I expected. So,
1: yeah. Um, did you see? Did you see? I don't know um, if you saw. I, I sent it to you while we were on the air because, you know, I'd be like that. Um, Chris Paul was trying to fight like a 15 year old. Chris Paul. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Chris Paul, Chris Paul lost his mind. And, and, and I agree. I, I think it's the Suns look bad today, dude. The Suns look bad today. And, like, you're saying that, uh, which is crazy because the Suns really are, like, so well put together. They have, you know, three legitimate stars, uh, you know, D-Book and DeAndre uh, Ayton and, you know, CP3. And then the, the debt players are just, like, they're super, super well well balanced and well put together. Yeah. But the Mavericks, they're a scrappy team, dude. They really mm-hmm. are a scrappy team. I was watching a little bit of the game and I just can't believe it. Uh I, I this is a way more competitive series than I thought it was gonna be. Thought it was gonna be competitive. But the Mavericks really like they got me rooting for an upset right now, dude.
0: Yeah, and no, and I could I could see it happening too. And um, yeah, I mean Lucas having a series, Brunson's having another series, and I think Dinwiddie was really what that team needed, that uh Porzingis trade like I don't think the Mavericks are in the position they are uh, without that trade happening, and um, yeah, I mean Dinwiddie obviously not a superstar for him or anything, but I think he's has been a bit, uh, solid scoring presence and hasn't gotten in Luca's way the way that Porzingis did, and um, is more efficient. And yeah, I mean, like you said, they're a scrappy team. Uh, that Sun team, uh, Suns team, like in my opinion, are well built enough that they should not be dropping these games like just straight up, but they are. Um, And so, you know, uh, they've been really, really solid all season. Uh, You're starting to see some cracks forming. Um, Don't know if that's going to be a continual thing or if they're going to snap back out of it and uh, show the team that we've seen the whole rest of the year. But, um, you know, like we said, previewing the series, when Luca's in it, you never know stuff happens. So yeah. An interesting series there. We'll have to see how that one turns out. Um, and then moving on to the East here, we have the Bucks versus the Celtics currently two to one. Um, and yeah, I mean, this has been one that uh, the Bucks just went out and beat the brakes off the Celtics in the first game. Not exactly what we expected, um, but the Celtics uh, did make a little bit of a comeback um, and what, it took a game there, uh, but have not looked like their dominant selves and, Quite the opposite. Uh Giannis looks like he's taking over this series.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about this as well. Like, Giannis is, like, doing it again, dude. Like, he's doing yep. it again. Obviously, he's healthy. Um, but he's doing it again. Like, and we were just, like, really going off about how good the Celtics are and how they look like they're the team. And I was saying they could win a chip, dude. Like, um, I really do just if if Giannis does it, I'll never doubt him again. I'll never yeah. ever doubt again. I'll never um I'll never doubt him again because like the Celtics are a good team and he's been he's been like willing the Bucks to 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 win and yeah, it's uh it's crazy because if you look at the roster the Celtics have a better roster. Like they yeah. just the Celtics have a better roster, and the Bucks are still able to do what they're doing. And It really is a credit to Giannis Antetokounmpo because he's the he's the man, dude. He really is the man. I can't can't take anything away from him. He steps up when he needs to step up.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And you like you were talking about. You saw it last year. I mean, there are there's something to be said for dominance, but it, there's a different type of dominance when you talk about playoff dominance. And that's what Giannis has showed. Um, and that's that's where you talk about a different breed of player, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, can't say enough good things about Giannis. Uh, currently, he looks like the Bucs are probably going to end up taking this series, probably still going to be a six or seven game series. The Celtics don't look awful or anything, but uh, just not as dominant as we had expected, given their previous performances and sweeping the nets too. And then immediately losing game one, like, I guess Giannis probably took it per- personal and he's like, yeah, these guys need to be humbled real quick. So, uh, but uh, yeah. And then the very last series here, heat versus 76ers. Uh, it's actually two 2 uh, fourth game just ended not too long ago here on Sunday. Um, and the 76ers tying up the series with Embiid back. And um, yeah, I mean, they won by eight points again uh, today. They won by, I think, 20 points um, in game three with Embiid back. Uh, and now that he's back, uh, looking like the Sixers are probably going to take it. Um, I think yeah. the Heat, obviously, you know, they have the strength to take another game there. Um, but if Embiid can play every game, when the uh, Sixers are going on full cylinders. I mean, even without Harden, even game three and game four, Harden was not, like, amazing. He was still being kind of his nonchalant-ass self. And Embiid just – Embiid, Maxi, Tobias, Harris has been having a great playoff so far. Um, yeah, I mean, Sixers are doing it.
1: Yeah, I, I I mean, James Harden finally stepped up, you know. Um a James Harden. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, thirty-one points though, not bad. Um, and yeah, I mean, the return of Embiid has been, has been the thing. You know, like you can't, you can't, just like we said with Giannis, and you, now you see why these two guys are in the MVP conversation almost every year
0: because yeah,
1: you see the impact that they have on their teams. Um, you know exactly like you said, Embiid with Embiid coming back. Um, you know, they won by 20 points. They take the second game, um, after that. So, yeah, I mean, they have the momentum, and sometimes that's what you need in this playoff series. We've seen that in different sports. Um, yeah, but especially in basketball, you have some momentum on your side. You're just starting to get your guys back. Um, and Joe you know, and B is just playing like a machine right now. So, with a fractured face, dog, with a fractured face, like,
0: Yeah, man. Mask Joel and everything. He looks so badass in that. I love that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I love to see it. Love to see my Sixers doing well. Maxie having great time in the playoffs. And I mean, I, I, have you know, gushed about him over and over again, but um, not that he's having world beating numbers every single night, but for such a young player could not be happier with what he's been putting up. Um, And yeah, I'm, hoping the uh, Sixers can pull out the series here. Uh, It's sad to see Jimmy, you know, not win the series, if that's what ends up happening, Um, because I always love Jimmy Butler. um, But I like the Sixers more. And, I I mean, I really liked him when he was on the Sixers, but that didn't work out. So, you know, oh, well. But, uh, yeah. And then, um, so, I suppose that's going to do it for the NBA playoffs recap there. And uh, that's actually going to do it for the first part of this week's episode as well. Thank you guys for listening. And then for our UFC fans, uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about UFC 274 on the other side.
1: Awesome. Thanks, guys.